0: And... Action! Hello and welcome to episode 338 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and a producer. And on today's show, we have the fantastic talent that is Connor O'Hara. He has his debut movie, Kindling, which is out now. He also wrote this movie. The film was produced by Jimmy Gamash and Mark Feligno. And the film stars... George Sommer, Conrad Khan, Wilson Ambomio, Mia McKenna-Bruce, Rory J. Sapper, Kane Zajaz, Jeff Bell and Tara Fitzgerald, just to name a few. And myself and Lucinda Rhodes-Takra, amazing producer, joined us for this one. We sat down with Connor and we talked all about his debut movie, Kindling, how he turned a short film that he'd made called Infinite into His feature, Kindling, and why it took eight years to do so. He talks about how he learnt making feature films, the struggles of that, how he knew that after making that short film, the feature film was his route. He also talks about the importance of bringing a big producer on board, and how as a director, you have to make decisions. And we use the great expression, the director is a plug hole of a sink, which I love i love this chat connor was brilliant uh very humble very lovely guy clearly talented kindling is amazing like i say it's out now go support it go watch this movie um this is how to make indie films it's beautiful so gorgeously shot cinematography is stunning the performances are just a delight and it's one of these indie films that makes you think We don't talk about this on the episode, actually, but Connor has also been a set decorator on a Star Wars movie. Um, I meant to bring it up, but we didn't. So I thought I'd tell you now. Uh, And also on Mary Poppins Returns, set decorator on that. And how we learn, which I found fascinating, because we learn in all sorts of ways uh, to make films. And there is no one route that has just been proved time and time again by the amazing people who have been on this podcast. For those of you who listened last week to our live episode from London Independent Film Festival. Um, we had Debs Patson, Francis and Anne and Cos Greenop. Uh, wow. Thank you so much for your love on that one. Um, so much comments and joy coming back to us and yes that's because the guys and girls gave so much information and knowledge about getting your films out there and how they made the first features if you haven't listened go listen to that as well this week we are recording another business of film explained with the fantastic Stephen follows and phil hawkins so looking forward to that uh, they're always good those ones specials And another one's coming up for you. I'll probably put that out next Tuesday. We've got some amazing guests coming up, including Rob Savage talking about Boogeyman. Beckham Woods also talking about Boogeyman and 65 movie. And we have Rob Marshall. Yeah, Rob Marshall, the director of Chicago. He's coming on to talk about his latest film, the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. Also coming up, we have Chris Overton. We're going to do a short special. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, He won an Oscar for his short film. So he's going to come on. We're going to talk about that. We're going to have Dana Kippel coming on to talk about her film Reflect. And we've got Una Menges talking about uh, being the D.O.P. cinematographer on the rather brilliant film Lola. Right. uh, This week I've been writing. I've been writing. Diving straight back in. Myself and Tobias V's. It's been really fun. Based on an already existing script. So that is super exciting. And we've got Can film festival coming up so we have been getting all our meetings in myself and jack spring shush films getting them all set up and ready all our project decks ready any vision reels making sure they're solid getting all set up on the ipads getting meetings locked in it's probably too late but now's the time get involved get doing it and if you do want a can do's and don'ts we have a blog for you all about that all about what it's like in Cannes uh, when you attend the Cannes Film Festival the Marche de Film when you're walking down the Croissette It's a mini guide to surviving at the festival. Uh, We talk all about what to expect, why it's important to bring materials, why you shouldn't be late, and why you need to practice your elevator pitch. It's all there. Link to that is in the show notes. Right, let's get to it. This is myself, to Rhodes-Takra, and the rather brilliant Connor O'Hara talking about filmmaking in general, but mainly about his excellent film, Kindling. Enjoy. Hey, 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 how are you both? Good, very good, thank you, mate. Nice to meet you properly. Yeah, lovely to meet you properly as well. Lovely to meet you, Lucinda,
1: and you, Connor. Heard some wonderful things. I'm not sure how true it is.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. we'll see. none we'll of see. these are true because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you did a bit of light, wasn't it, Lucinda?
0: Just uh, just a bit of it,
1: yeah, just a bit of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, which was great. Uh, the same time we were shooting Three Day Millionaire, wow, so yeah. was- oh, Giles, congrats on
2: that, man. I mean. Great to see it on Netflix Top 10. I saw it the other day, and as a fellow signature release, it was like, come on. (laughs) Yes,
0: yeah. Thank you, mate. Yeah, appreciate that. Very good. Welcome, Connor, to the podcast, officially.
2: Oh, lovely to be on with you
0: guys. Kindling's a a lovely, really well-made film, and it's your debut. Both me and Lucinda messaged each other and said, this is really good. So well done. Well done. You must be sort of relishing in that world right now. Relishing? Is that even a word? You must be bathing bathing in the the, glory
1: of it. the glory
0: no because i I don't know there's something weird about that isn't it? when the film comes out this you just kind of go oh it's just weird disappointment i don't know if you felt that but
2: maybe you didn't man it's actually really nice to hear you say that to start off because totally i would say it's the most amazing experience making a film it's been eight years trying to get this one off the ground it's incredibly personal and Mm. then it comes out you're sitting at home and you know people have access to your film you know that they're watching it you know and you're just alone, man. It's crazy. You know, like, we had a really nice process up to the release. Every screening I was at, we went to festivals so you can see the audience. Then suddenly, when it actually is out there, you're just on your own, aren't you? It's very, um, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say anticlimactic. It's it's quite like a, it's just quite um, a bizarre feeling. Yes, and I don't think you can put
0: it into words. I think you, it's so hard. You, you, you did there. I think anticlimactic is exactly right. Listen, you, maybe you feel differently as the producer, but certainly from the directing side, you just kind of just go, hi, oh, hey guys, my film's out. And my film's still out? Uh, hi guys, oh, yeah, my film's out. That, out? It's I, so I weird. I
1: find it a relief in all honesty. I love filmmaking. I love being a producer. I love the process of it from from start to finish. And then when you let it go... Is, is to me when it's released and I just go, ah, oh, it's gone. And I've let it go where all the delivery materials and, and the deliverables, technical side of things, it's mm. all of that so much stress during post-production. Uh, and then when it's released, it's, it's gone. It's, it's, it's gone and it's, it's quite a nice feeling. I feel, yeah, a weight lifted off my shoulders in a nice way.
0: Yeah, I think it's separate. I do. When you're sort of the producing side, there's so much to do. There's so much with the deliverables and getting it all. And you're constantly thinking, right, how how do we leverage this against everything else and what's happening? It is a relief. You're like, oh, finally, right, it's actually out. The director side, it's like anticlimactic and hollow. It's really,
1: mm.
0: it's hollow. It's like you put everything into it, like you said, for it's eight really years sad. trying to make it. It's sad. Honestly, it is yeah. really
2: sad. It's like this weird thing. It's, it's like, really it funny bittersweet I don't know Giles I'm sure yeah. you can totally connect but for, for me as well there was a weird because I mean I've been making kindling for yeah almost a third of my life wow and and to, it almost like I had I had to have it done as well do you know what I mean like like yeah. the, the ending of the film it almost you know it's been a long journey and it it needed to be over at some point so it's also this thing of kind of like strange that it's out there I'm grateful to have had that experience of making it I'm almost glad in some ways that it's starting to come out of my life because, you know, making a film, it's not an easy task. And eight, it's been eight years of me trying to, every, you know, pretty much every day trying to get this off the ground. And um, hmm. it's nice almost to leave that in the past now. Why Why did it well. take
1: so long, Connor? Can you start us from the beginning?
2: Of course, yes. I mean, Jamie and I, Jamie's the producer on the film, we started trying to get this off the ground, I guess, when we were 21 and, and that meant that i guess we started with this sort of almost like relentless naivety which meant that almost the first four years of getting the film off the ground were essentially just learning the ropes of how you actually package finance get a film made so i would say if we were to do it again you probably have we've learned so much through the process it would have been quicker but you know it's eight years and again we 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 wanted a film that was made that didn't essentially have too much of a commercial edge it hasn't Mm. got big stars that are going to attract the finance it it's a it's an ensemble it's a drama in the age where dramas are hard to make we had a sort of a lot of things that were against us EIS stopped while we were while we were in you know we just got I think we just became EIS compliant and that fell away so we had sort of a lot of things against us and to be honest I wouldn't weirdly looking back for it change it for the world I almost feel like every year we didn't make it the film almost became better and stronger the further I got distanced in age from the characters i feel like the more i can look back retrospectively and almost i don't know make i think the film almost has quite a retrospective look on being 21 and i guess when i first wrote it it felt quite present in that mm. age um, so almost every year we didn't make it. it feels like it became stronger and stronger which was quite a nice feeling looking mm. back
0: yeah i so did you always want to be like a filmmaker because you know you you came you did bits of set design i think you you know you you were almost an actor in bits and pieces talk us through your journey then like being a filmmaker and wanting to do it what was
2: there a moment yeah. when you went this is what i want to do oh, totally man i mean i think the acting credits are just purely from not having any other one else to be in stuff when i was <laughs> when we were starting we it yeah man I was, I was nine and you know the the longer story is I, I had basically an illness which meant i didn't really walk for about two months three months. And I just okay. watched, watched and rewatched the Lord of the Rings films. And eventually just started watching all the behind the scenes for the Lord of the Rings. Mm, and amazing. it was watching. And mm. Oh man. I watched them like every year. And I, and it wasn't so much actually thinking I want to be a director. It was thinking I want to make films. I just saw a group of people doing something together and thought that's the world that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, from, from nine years old, I think my I was very lucky. and fortunate. my parents bought me a little video camera to almost start me, walking again when i started getting better so i started making little films and
0: nice.
2: for a while wanted to be a sort of did a side quest trying to be a rock star from like 14 to 17 but other than that it's always been wanted to be a filmmaker and yeah jamie and i who produced jamie produced kindling we just started about 18 making films together in our back gardens and slowly step by step just took it up and up and up and
1: so no film school
2: no no film school no honestly no real knowledge of how this even works so that's you know it's Eight years was because we literally just started. These doe-eyed kids being like, "How the hell do you make mm-hmm. a feature? You know, how do you get this thing?" I, I feel like we could make one if we got the money, but how do you actually get the money? And who? Mm. You know, Who's going to give that had it to you? Any money. Yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know? absolutely. So,
0: or, or interestingly, you probably did, but you didn't know how to approach it correctly. Or why would they take you seriously? Or how? What's the route to market? What's the returns? All that kind of stuff. Just takes time to learn, you know. How to make a film is everything. It's it's all encompassing. And my mine was probably ten years, and to from actually wanting to make a feature to making it, and the same. I had no idea, and I'd been in films, I'd done stuff, but I still had no idea. Still had no idea what a producer did. No idea. And it took a long time to even understand that, and people still don't know what a producer does, and it's it's kind of crazy. Like they get it made. Um, that's why Lucinda's brilliant at it.
2: Once you got through it, maybe you respect those producers. They are.
1: <laughs> People ask yeah. me that all the time in cabs, in shops. What? Yeah. So you like get the cast together. Oh
0: my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you, you tell them where to stand. I know I'd love to. I'd, t- I'd love <laughs> like to tell them where to stick <laughs> it as well. <laughs> no, no. So yeah. Connor, why this story? This, st- I mean, it-
2: I hope. it comes across from anyone that watches it it's a very personal film when when i was 21 two people close to me died and the film you know essentially we did a short film called infinite that starred george MacKay, and that kicked the whole thing off and i wanted to show a representation of masculinity on screen of the of what i saw in the passing of people in my life how my friends actually banded together and had a real like huge emotional capacity that i didn't know they had um and it sounds so directory to say this, but honestly, it, I felt like when we made the short film, I just didn't feel like I was done. I feel like there was more to say. And I, I found it really pertinent screening the short film to younger men and having them see a representation of masculinity that they could aspire to be. And I just thought the best platform for even more young men or men of all ages, girls of all ages to almost see these representations of masculinity on screen. Yeah. Um, it it just felt like the feature was the best vessel to do that. And you know i what's been kind of crazy in a book ending to the story as such is one of the boys the film's about sadly passed away a year ago after we'd finished making the film so we've almost had this so almost life in a way replicated art in a way and i guess looking back on kindling it almost makes me feel quite proud that almost it's a celebration of grief and it's looking at people that pass away in quite a beautiful positive light and after going through quite a lot of that in my 20s, I still feel strongly that it's a good message and it's it's true. You need to celebrate those that pass.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, that's gorgeous. How did you go about writing it then? Like you say, you'd made the short um, and it was around a similar subject. But then still, writing a feature films it's not easy. You know, It's very difficult to hit the beats and get the places where you want things to move forward and you want the story to say something. Time,
2: time really got it to where it was when we shot it. You know, the first, I laugh at this now, the first pass I did of the script, I think it was 40 scenes right. across like a 90 page script. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that shows like the level of naivety we had when we started this, that I, I didn't know how to write a script. I just put something on page and it really then became a, a case of just refining it over years that the dialogue primarily at that point came from conversations that me and my friends had. And then, so it was almost like the, the dialogue was real and then the situations were fictional. Mm. Um, and yeah it totally just came about refining 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 and honestly i'm a youtube filmmaker i just knew the knew it could be better so i just watched more videos and i got a year's membership to master class yep. and just self you know just self-taught everything i could to get it to a place where i could feel that we were getting a lot of rejections on the script i could feel the more i did it the more you could feel people starting to click into it and and um and yeah, it really was just a self-taught process of year by year, making it stronger and stronger and stronger.
0: Going through those, that time was like year by year, because it can get really depressing. You know, we talk about, you know, masculinity and mental health and saying you're a filmmaker can be really tough sometimes when you're not doing the thing you actually want to do. Obviously, you've got your own production company as well. You make commercials, you make music videos, etc. within Loki, but I imagine maybe that sort of success came a bit later maybe when you were trying to make the film you were struggling to say I'm a filmmaker or go through that whole process of of it what what was your how did you deal with that because I know I struggled I luckily I could still sort of say oh I'm an actor you know I'm moving into directing but when you're yeah I, just directing, I really struggled you, yeah to talk us through it
2: yeah I mean when i was I, I had quite a i started the industry in the art department and i quit that when i was about 23 to try and get kindling off the ground so i i, I gave up all my means of earning mm. to try and put everything into building and it it still took another five years from that point so so yeah i mean i definitely struggled for it i mean didn't have financial backing had to get whatever work i could and sort of low-key as a production company built through that right and it's funny because I fully had times where I would call Jamie, the producer, just being like, "Look, man, I I'm struggling right now. Like, how how can we get this film made?" But looking back on the last eight years, as I said earlier, I wouldn't change a thing. Like, it's always it's almost that ju- the journey to get it made has made me right. who I am. Mm. Yeah, it really is. And and through the struggle to make Kindling, we thought, right, we're not creating anything. Could we make a few music videos? And somehow the music video department grew and grew and became what what it is today and the commercial company became what it is today. And we met all these new directors and new crews and those crews then worked on kindling. And it just Mm felt, I don't know if I look back on the last eight years, you've had almost everything has been quite symbiotic and all the things that have been hard almost made us do something different, which helped us progress in other ways. And yeah, just looking at the journey, it all just feels like it makes sense now.
1: Mm. I was going to ask you about your team, your crew, because, um, you know, when putting a team around you, a creative team as well as a technical team, it's very important to get the right people. Um, and, I mean, you'd done a couple of shorts, but you hadn't done a feature. So how did you choose your crew? You've just obviously said through commercials and music videos, but what drew you to those particular people, the DP, the designer? Uh, was it Declan yeah. who did your production design?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so Declan, Declan a bit of light as well, right? Backing yeah, price, yeah. He's... Yeah. he's, he's
1: yeah, he's very good. Got a wonderful very eye. Very good.
2: Well, we, you know, it's really funny. We, in the in the process of making the film, we kind of completely crewed up the film with a first AD, a DOP, a production designer. And the time we shot the film, it was a very busy time in the industry. I'm sure you guys both know because you're making films at the same time.
1: We are just coming out of the pandemic. Yeah,
2: and it was busy. And yeah. so all our HODs dropped out. The, the HODs that we had been building the film with for about, a year or two, Mm -hmm. all dropped out in about six weeks of the shoot. So we were sort of...
1: That's still uh, a long time.
2: Yeah, still got six weeks. Still got six weeks in indie film.
1: Some people dropped out the day before on movies. Yeah, yeah. that's Because of that boom.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember three day. We there was about three roles we couldn't fill was the Lucinda and we were just literally ringing around totally. every, look, please, come on, come help yeah. us. And it's crazy now looking at it and just go,
2: wow. Especially now when there's no work around, there's less anyway. It's madness. Totally. Yeah, we Our line producer and our gaffer dropped out the Friday before we started shooting on the Monday. Mm. So, you know. Wow. I know. Friday. It's
0: weekend as well. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much for that. Appreciate you.
1: Gaff, gaffers, okay, you, you can maybe get replaced with a line producers mm. to drop out the weekend before. Yeah.
2: It's
1: not good not good form.
2: To be fair to them, it was for them they did it in such a respectful way and for a respectful reason. Okay. But yeah, it was it was still just like I guess this is indie film, right? Like we, we find something new and you move through it. But yeah, the the dP I'd worked with a few times before, David Wright, and he's mm. just like a gorgeous personality. I just I knew we could have a bond together. I knew we could work well together. Mm-hmm. Declan, Declan and I had been doing some zooms with um, about the project because basically we sensed that our production designer might have fallen away, might be about to fall away. So I did some zooms with people, and I just thought, God, we came to this first zoom, and he just had such beautiful ideas, and we—I think we connected on a very good creative level, and generally with the whole crew. It was just a really special experience. That time of lockdown, again, I know you guys made films at the exact same time. We were in a bubble.
1: It's very special.
2: Very special time, yeah. actually. Looking back on it, very special. Like, we all had to live together and almost be more than just a crew. You had to be almost like uni halls, friends and stuff. And, and I don't know, I just I look back on it, I was very, I feel very fortunate who we got to make the film with.
1: I was going to ask about locations as well, because um, the film is beautiful. It's shot beautifully. The locations are lovely. Are you from Essex? Why Essex? What? Why that county?
2: Oh, th- thank you. And again, that is credit to David and Declan for making sure it looked as beautiful as it did. But I, I grew up in Surrey, and in all honesty, I wanted to film the f- film in Surrey. I thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what Essex had to offer. And actually, it was when we were wrecking, we just found this beauty in Essex. That frankly, I don't yeah, think. There was, is, been yeah, there is. Yeah, and oh my god, our, our, our main house location was, was Essex. That was a big draw to get all the exteriors around there as well. And to be honest, it was just about these boys who almost grow up just outside of a central major city. I found that quite influential on in my personal life, the fact that I went to school with these guys and, you know, at 11 years old, you're thrown into a classroom and it's kind of like, make your best friends here. You don't really have a choice. You've, got to, you've kind of got to form these really tight bonds very early. And you don't, it's not like you're in a major city where you've got all these different youth activities and choices to find other mates essentially um so i felt like almost the the cat that kind of capsule mentality that those small towns outside london provide felt felt like an important way of or sorry most sorry just the best way of showing what or telling instantly why these guys are such tight friends Hmm. what was the moment when you realized it was
0: probably going to happen you know you've been through all those times you've been through uh, disappointments was there a moment when you went, oh, my gosh, this might actually happen? Uh, was there a spe- can you remember it was there a specific moment when maybe it was when it was, uh, you know, an, an extra producer came on board or an extra bit of financing? Do you remember?
2: I can remember. I, I can sort of remember now, but it all becomes, you almost don't trust it when it when it does come, right? Like, mm-hmm. you don't believe. So yeah. Mark Fellini came on board, who is an amazing producer, and that felt yeah. like a really good step because we felt like our team was building. We then got the film financed in at the EFM pre-COVID and then it all fell apart once COVID happened. Well, let's just jump. Sorry, just
0: jump back on that if you don't mind, Connor. So so how did you get Mark on board and that finance that you got there then fell down? Talk us through that because that's what our listeners will be shouting at the podcast devices now going, yeah, but how? (laughs) Because
2: that's what they want to know. Honestly, dude, I think what you do in this podcast is great because this is what I listen to. Do you know what I mean? And, And honestly, we got Mark through LinkedIn we literally wow. we great yeah love that you know and, and it's just, just to show the level of sort of um man how do you make a film do you know what i mean there is mm-hmm. no rule book mm-hmm. we, we got to the point we were take, taking meetings with whoever we could and then we heard about this producer mark felino who's meant to be a really good guy and supports yeah. indie filmmakers and how do we get couldn't find his email address so we hit him up on linkedin and right. eventually ace. yeah I think maybe we even sent a script to him via LinkedIn Messenger. You know, like so, this. Yeah, go
0: for <laughs> it. But it worked, right? You've now got a big producer on who's made some
2: great films. You have just to have Invis.
1: confidence and go for it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's that. God, we well, of course we felt a bit embarrassed using LinkedIn to hit him up. But no. that was the only way we could. And then, you know, six months of chasing. Have, have you read it, mate? I, he's like, I really want to. I love. He watched the short film quickly. So we knew that he had okay. some kind of bite yes, in. some. Yeah. But yeah, it took 6 months till he actually read it. And um
1: can I just say actually, that's yeah. really good advice. Um uh just to jump in as a producer that gets sent a lot of scripts, it takes time for somebody to sit down for those 2 hours to those 3 hours to digest a script, write the notes, get into it. So please bear with producers that haven't you know read it that night or read it in 2 months. Um mm-hmm. so I- good for Mark that he got to it. Um, and bear with producers is all I, I wanted to say to our
2: listeners. And you want to give it the right time. You don't want to just rush out a read. And I think also there's this weird thing where I think for Mark, us chasing him over six months and not being like chasing him every day, like probably four or five messages over six months, I think just remind him that we were serious and we, were, mm. we weren't we were going anywhere. Not in like a, we're not going anywhere like a limpet, just like we really do want to make the film. We're committed to it. And our commitment to that, almost hopefully, showed him that we wouldn't let him down if he did come on board, and we'd make sure mm-hmm. we made something of value to him. Yeah, yeah.
1: So after six months, he's read it by now. He likes yeah. it. So you get on a Zoom, do you have a coffee, do you face to face?
2: Yeah, J- Jamie, the producer, had a lot of really good meetings with him, so they they connected early, and actually, Mark, Mark almost raised the finance for it um, two years before we ended up making it. So he, so we, had, and then that money fell away. We raised it again in Berlin and then that fell away. Ah, And then what was
0: was the reason? What could you just talk us through that little bit there that you raised the finance and then it fell down? What was this through pre-sales, private equity? Was it Mark doing that? In
2: in all honesty, the first time we raised it, we raised it through someone who had, um, who had gone through a similar experience to the characters in the film and they were in remission. Ah. And then, and then actually then the, the cancer came back. So so the money yeah. fell away because the situation changed. So it was, a, it was a you know, you totally yeah. understand it. Of course you do. Of course you but, do. Um, yeah.
0: It's life.
2: But as you said, Giles, earlier, like, what was the moment that we knew we were going to make it? I'd had like seven where I was told that it was going to get made before. Yeah. So I, I'd say the moment that I actually knew it was going to make it is I think yeah. I called Jamie. I was chatting with Jamie about three months before we actually shot. And I was like, Jamie, do I actually just commit myself here? He was like, you have to commit yourself now. because almost there was never going to be a point where it was fully green lit. It's an indie film. He was like, I'm cer- I'm pretty certain in three months we will be shooting this film. So I'm pretty certain that you should be starting the work. And we mm-hmm. still needed that final bit of gap to come in and close everything. But it was that thing of, you know, I don't think I really got that. Oh my God, this is happening moment. It was always just like, a, okay, I now need to put my blinders on and believe this is happening because I'm told by everyone around me that we're really close. You
1: <laughs> never really believe it's happening until you're on set day one, eating a vegan bacon roll. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please <laughs> uh,
0: everyone do that. Yes, I've a said vegan. bacon roll
1: before and Giles yeah. has uh, corrected me. So it's when you're on set first day, then you go, wow, shit, I, I got to do this.
0: Yeah. Got to deliver and You say
1: your, your speech as a director at the beginning. And I think that's, mm. and the producers have the same thing. We never really believe it either, even though we're there raising the finance, and we can mm-hmm. see it in the bank.
2: And, and I've got so honestly, I couldn't have more respect for producers. Like, I know that Jamie had issues with the money like two weeks before we shot, and like right. not like major issues, but like some stuff was happening still. And he kept that from me in a really respectful way, not in like a lying to me way. Good. Like he knew that it was fine, but he just really protected my mental my men- mental health to keep me That's confident. Great. Mm-hmm. He just worked hard to keep it going. It was the stuff isn't there. I mean, Cindy, you must feel it. I know, Giles you produce as well, but like you've got to kind of safeguard your director from some things, let them into you other have things. To, just, yeah yeah god no it's so important to do that and lucinda
0: was brilliant on the movies that she produced when i directed and keeping me from the stuff that was i didn't need to know about as a director it's irrelevant to me i've got to concentrate on doing the job that i do until it's too there's nothing she can do but tell me the horse isn't going to be here or the sword's gone somewhere else excalibur's not here whatever there's a hurricane hurricane. (laughs)
1: filming that was the best (laughs) that was (laughs) the best giles kept shooting
0: I kept shooting through the hurricane. Lucinda said, no, no, you need to stop filming. And I said, but I can get a beautiful shot here. Look at it out there. It looks amazing. My nights <laughs> yeah, are all up for it. The actors
1: just flying the around.
0: Actors, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the actors were flying around running through bogs. And Lucinda went, listen, nothing to do with me. I'm turning away. If you want to go shoot, knock yourself out. <laughs> well, the way so, you just it's... said
2: my nights were all up for it is incredible. Yes, my <laughs> is that, No, they were. They were, yeah. They were more up people. to
1: cutting the day short and going to the pub. In the end, yes,
0: I think that was <laughs> it. They were like didn't want to wait around for this storm to pass or hurricane to pass. It was an actual hurricane. In the but end, the wasn't
1: protection it? Protection of the producer and, and mm. the director and, and the, the, director. the relationship is is yes. so important.
0: Yeah, I kept so much from Jack. Yeah, you did. Yeah, on Three Day Millionaire. It's just stuff. And I was always speaking to Lucinda about, you know, how how to handle that, what's the best way, just because they don't need to know. So I imagine that Jamie did for you, and we should give him his full name because we've called him Jamie the producer, for, or you have for the whole time. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jamie Gam- Gamash. Can I pronounce that right? Jamie Gamash? yeah, yeah.
1: People are going to be yeah. going around can saying, where's Jamie the producer? Where's Jamie, Jamie the, the producer? producer.
0: <laughs> it's a great <laughs> name. He sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> he sounds yeah. good. He does. It's already got a ring to it, hasn't it? So that's perfect. Yeah. So so that moment happened and suddenly now, after all these disappointments, you're three months out and they're saying, yes, this is going to happen. Where did the money come from, if you don't mind? Was it private equity? Was it uh, pre-sales? What was it that then made Jamie Click it over the edge to say we're filming in three months of course yeah. So it was three
2: parts of private equity mm-hmm. um amounts and then a post deal with lip sync nice so that's how, how it came together which was just quite clean as such and i think we had basically the lip sync deal was in place two parts of the private equity were in and we needed to find that final part but we had quite a few leads from what i believe so that so it was almost like look we're It is going to happen, but I can't tell you Mm. 100% until it's 100%. But, but what what was the real defining factor was the um, lead production company Haymarket decided uh, Mm. started committing to pay for casting, and that was a massive thing. As soon as the casting happened, we were having tapes come through that we could show to investors, and it really felt like it really started solidifying. These characters—it wasn't just Sid on the page. It was now Sid. This is who we've got the tape from, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, you know, T- Tara Fitzgerald came in early, so you started feeling like there was actually a world that was building, and I guess
1: mm-hmm.
2: slowly it became more and more real because you could actually see it on 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 like a piece of paper is these are these are the actors playing, playing these roles yeah
0: yes and the production designer comes back with their thoughts and images and sketches and that becomes real and same with the uh, costume department and the makeup and hair and they've got all the images and then sometimes they put actors to it and it, it suddenly becomes this real thing in front of you that oh can God. almost get away from you and it's quite frightening because that train is moving now and you're making decisions on the spot you're going yes that red jacket yes that blue coat yes we will use that location yes whoa you know and suddenly it's like hang on hang on hang on it's
2: this whole big it just keeps rising you're making me miss it i know right you miss it because you miss it yeah go into like a man if i could be that decisive with everything in my life you Mm -hmm. know like you, mm. you get into a state where I you're almost that. so living and breathing that film that you know the yeah. decisions you're making are the, the right ones in like a not yes. in like an arrogant way like a no. really nice comp yeah. you feel like you're breathing this project and yeah it's really yeah. special man that's it's so cool.
0: interesting you said there about making decisions and if we could do that in our real life I 100% agree with you when I'm directing my decision making is yes I want that that's cool cool that's bring that great uh, two minutes I want this it's like, I always it's really hear no from you stop it <laughs> 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 I think I think it's the other way around <laughs> Can I have yes. that? no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um yeah <Fine>. that's, <laughs> and it's true you find this wonderful like it, thought process when you're in the you're just in it and people look to you for that they need a leader they need someone saying yes to that color or no to that location or yes to that actor you can't be wishy-washy at that point you can't be i don't know i'm not sure what do you think people go uh oh yeah <laughs> you right. and it, know?
1: we've the, yeah there are people like that um yeah, directors like that 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 you know don't make the right decisions well i think <laughs>
2: The the, the the nicest okay. the nicest thing about the nicest thing about making films is that everyone else on set is better than you at their job you know and that's right. the cool thing yeah. and you're working with these production designers costume designers who are bringing options that you can even imagine mm. and, and it elevates everything and so all you basically have to do is just I, I've always said like some people see like directors as like the top of a hierarchy but I just see it as like the plug hole of a sink and it's almost right. like all this like all this really good stuff just got to come into it and all you've got to do is just funnel it out into this really nice, thin, concise, you know, cons- you to just make concise choices with the best that they're giving you of all these people that are essentially more exciting and have these amazing ideas. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. It's, yeah. And what's that? What's it called? A strainer. You know, the thing that goes in yeah. a sink in the kitchen that c- collects all the crap, you know, all the stuff that comes That's, off yeah. the plate. Is it called a yeah. strainer? Right. Uh, I think, the, I know what you mean. The plug, the plug strainer that keeps the, the plug old strainer. Pasta yeah, that's yeah, that's what we are. That's what directors yeah. are. We're a plug strainer.
1: <laughs> plug wow. strainer.
0: I think if more directors can see themselves as plug strainers, plug strainers, we'll have a much, a much better world. world.
1: Yeah,
0: I love that, Connor. That was brilliant. What did Jamie bring to you during that time then that you're preparing and you're doing all your production design and your costume design and you're casting your actors? What was it that you really liked that working with Jamie there really helped you um, that he brought you as a director
2: from the producer side? We, we sort of, again, touched on it earlier. Like Producers are so much more than a, a clerical person who is putting on a shoot. Like Jamie was my like absolute ally do you know what i mean and ally not always in agreeing with me with sometimes like conflicting with me to push things further i knew he had responsibilities on his mind but you know at at any point i could come to him to talk through my stresses or to talk through an idea i'd had um so yeah i think jamie just always provided me with that sort of like support like we I was, you know, nervous at points, man. It was my first film and Mm -hmm. to have that person to lean on was really special. So I think, and I think I don't imagine that when I make, if I'm allowed to make a second or third film, I won't feel that nerves again. I think producers are like the crutch of a director, right? And really hold, Mm -hmm. hold, hold hold it up. You know, like he allowed me to be confident every day on set. Yeah. So I think what he provided was just that, you know, think pool, I guess.
1: And how did you meet? you? You didn't actually tell us the story of how you guys came together.
2: Cool. Well, that that was on my rock star side quest that I took when I was younger. We, right. we, um, Ooh, was he
0: part of the yeah. rock star sessions? Yeah.
2: The years. Well, when, when, I, when I was 14, I formed a band and he'd formed like a separate rival band. So we were both sort of playing at local gigs at the same time. And then we formed... Blue like versus
0: super, Westlife got you.
1: It, yep. it was
2: Blue versus Westlife and we formed wow. Blessed Life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so formed- no,
1: please. <laughs> Please. that's amazing. <laughs> Blessed life.
0: I love that. So, that's so good.
2: So, yeah, we, we took like half of each band and formed this this yeah. local surrey-based super group called a wolf look like Busted. me. A wolf, a wolf like, like me? me. Like me. Yeah. 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 Like Me. Um and and when you look back on it, we it's we've always been optimistic that like we were booking ba- like we wanted to go kind of on a tour on points. So we were booking bands, I'm not sure if you'd know them, like Young Guns who who'd end up doing all right stuff and we're booking them to like support us when we were like 15 booking them in like our pants sitting at home being like yeah we'll give you 150 quid and a 24 case of fosters and getting our dads to go and buy the fosters to so he could make sure we put them up Amazing. and, and you look at it that's just uh, interesting as well all the yeah, stuff in the stuff and putting on shows it was just building up towards what we ended up and we you know we'd, we'd make the music videos and stuff as well so yeah we started in the band and then the band finished when we were 18 and I went back to wanting to be a director uh, which mm. is what I wanted to do all that and and Jamie joined me on that quest as well and and now he's one of the best I think upcoming producers in the UK so it's a a nice quest that's brilliant
1: it's interesting I've worked with some directors uh, recently um that always want to bring their producer so I've been producing a movie and we brought the director on and the director that has grown with a particular producer says, I need to bring my producer with me. And there's a couple mm. of directors that I work with that say, I need you with me, or I would like you to be on this project with me, even if we mm. haven't been through the finance stage and somebody else has brought the finance. And mm. so it's interesting. It, it, it is the ally thing. It is somebody that you can trust and you can cry and you could shout and you can do everything at this person. And I think That is really important. I I lectured at a university the other day and somebody said, what's the best advice you can give when going into a venture? And I said, choose your partners wisely because Mm, they will help you on your journey. They will be the person that will support you 100%. And I think it's really important. And I hope you and Jamie go on to make lots and lots of wonderful movies together because it sounds ace.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, you, again, you guys both know, and I think it's important to like outline it, like making a film so it's a challenge and you go through a lot of I'm, I'm so I will never stop doing this. But a lot of the times you're you hit real lows in this and to have someone like you said, Lucinda, to be there for the lows as well. That's so key. It's not just someone you can creatively bounce off and likes your ideas and wants to help facilitate them. It's someone that you can both be together like, right, we've got that big rejection. How do we pick ourselves up and carry on going and. You know, that's a big thing as well, right, with the producer.
0: Yes. Mm. Yeah, no, it's important to have those allies and teammates around. That's what's been wonderful about doing this podcast. You know, it's cemented mm-hmm. new Industry Relationship, uh, Dom, Phil, Ian, you know, everyone else that's been on this pod as fellow hosts, Matt and Tori. You become really good pals with them and you share. And that's what this industry is. Lacks sometimes when you're making indie films, it's very closed, and it shouldn't be. So that's what we're trying to do here: is open it up and say, no, no, it's all right. We're all in the same
2: boat. It's really tough, and there's no one way to make a movie. It's however you can make it is the right. As I said, watching those like Lord of the Rings behind the scenes as a kid, all I wanted to do Mm. was make something with people, and it's it's about the people, isn't it? Like when I look back on Kindling, yeah, I'm proud of the film, and I'm so glad it's out there, and I'm glad I got to make it, but making it with those people has been like the best experience of my life. And yep. it's almost a shame that that's not on the screen as well, because, you know, we had evenings hanging out and experiences making the film when the cameras weren't rolling that are super special as well. And yeah,
0: yes, totally agree. Watching those behind the scenes, Lord of the Rings ones when I've watched them. I've literally come away at the end, missing, that that whole experience of making a movie is that, and if you've ever experienced, I don't know, you go back to scout camp or you know when you've gone away to Glastonbury, that group of people and you go through something together—the ups, the downs, the yeah. highs, the lows—and when you come out the other side, you instantly miss it. Like instantly, you're like, yeah. "Oh my god, why aren't I there now?" Oh my god, it doesn't matter what the crap you went through. You can all hug at yeah. the wrap party and it's totally, totally fine. Give each other t-shirts. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's. Special. yeah we miss it so let's talk about the directing itself of kindling then and how you went through that process did you do storyboards did you do shot lists what was your process you know on it Um, especially you know working closely with um, David Wright your cinematographer what did you do Connor to really uh, feel like this was your movie and what your stamp that you wanted to put on
2: it we had a nice level of like shot listing where we were comfortable in, in our choices and we knew time was of the essence. We'd have to shoot things simpler, but Mm -hmm. I think what all these knew, and not in like a negative way towards them, but I really wanted to be on set and able to prioritize the actors. And I also wanted the actors to be able to prioritize improvising. So a lot of the dialogue that they, they did, you know, particularly that pub scene was, you know, the script was almost there as like a base structure. You know, the directing style that I really love is I love people being able to, you know, actors are the best because they're the they're the best. And sometimes a script doesn't, in my opinion, I know this isn't for everyone, but a script doesn't always work in the moment. And I really wanted the actors to have a fluidity and a freedom to do what they they wanted. So, you know, particularly in the pub scene, there was, you know, the, the script was a 90 page script and it set a really good guideline. But I wanted the actors to always feel like they could, you know, be fluid around it and create, create extra moments and a lot of the nicest scenes I think are, are moments that were improvised around the dialogue that I provided so, mm-hmm. so yeah my style was definitely quite improvisational um and I think that was nice you know because essentially De- Declan um provided spaces that we could walk around and improvise within uh, uh David kept the shot list quite nice and simplified so we could really prioritize like the performances and then if we thought that was great, what they just did. We had the time to pop in and pick that up, which mm-hmm. probably wasn't ideal for the first a d sometimes, but we you know we, we never really went over and made sure we you know we, we hit every day and yeah, I think my my process was definitely of priority to the actors but not not to the disadvantage of the crew that makes sense
0: yeah, it does. Your first AD was tom Taplin, right
1: second AD. Tom.
0: Tom was second, yeah. Tom was second. We loved Tom, yeah, man. It's love Tom.
2: We love Tom loads.
1: I think my mum was involved in the film as well.
2: No, she wasn't. In what well, way? What?
1: My mum's an agent.
2: Which yes. which which agency?
1: Uh, Rhodes Agency, Rhodes Management, um, an agency. And Tom called me and said, oh, wow. uh, "I need an actor." So I said, "I'll just call Yvonne." uh if on the agent you know like Jamie the producer Jamie the so, producer, uh, if, on the <laughs> if
2: on the agent
1: so uh so tom kind of knew my mum from a previous film from previous. and um yeah sent an an actor down with his son i think it was a flashback sequence
2: oh uh, cool yeah the from the boys yeah there's um you know th- that moment where all the young boys were on the back of the car it's so it's really short i think that was probably it or maybe it was a night scene. It was a father
1: cut. and son. They got cut. They got cut. That's yeah. no, okay. <laughs> as long as they got paid. Paid? Paid, how dare they? Um-
2: and it reminded us as well, like, a lot of the shoots we do as a production company are all London-based. And then you're out in Essex and you turn up at a village hall saying, can we use this as our, as our location base? And they're like, yeah, yeah, come in. We, You know, we don't need paying. <laughs> you know? yeah. we, we asked if we could film in a church and they offered us a bottle of wine
0: <laughs> for the communion <laughs> what church is that
2: <laughs> yeah lucy's yeah, like hang on i guess I the name of it yeah it's the one where um Sid and lily meet there before um or it's anyway uh, so, yeah. yeah there's a church at one point and yeah they were like oh yeah yeah uh, they offered us a bottle of wine see that's yeah.
0: See, to get out of London sometimes, the niceness of people, the generosity sometimes of just asking, like in Grimsby, when we asked on three day millionaire for anything, locations fell down often, you know, does something happen? So you just knock on doors and people would just open it and go, yeah, of course, come in, you know, and that's it's lovely. It really <laughs> did. Special, make- yeah,
1: so
0: thank you, mate. Thank you.
2: Yeah, really you should you should
0: call Yvonne the agent and get me signed up. Um because <laughs> I, I'm missing a trick. She's missing a trick, I say? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm gonna
1: get her so, to listen to this.
0: Yeah. Um in terms of that like what you learnt then as a director and working with actors and working with that in pro style, what was it that you're gonna take forward to your next film, etc. Or what was it on this that you made a mistake on? Anything like that would help our
2: listeners would be great. I think one thing I'm really like proud of that, i think we did well is we always wanted to create that atmosphere on set where everyone felt safe and the actors had that space to improvise and it really felt like um, an environment where even that the runners could come up and feel comfortable talking to the like at lunch times the runners would play football with the actors and stuff and Mm. i feel really proud that we managed to create an environment like that on a film where there was people's money at risk and i hope to be able to do that again you know create a film that reminds us that we're all just like kids who grew up to want to make films and yeah. always take a, bit of, take a bit of the business out of it when you're on set. So I'm, I'm really proud of that, definitely. Um, and the stuff I learn, I think it's really challenging because so much of the stuff you learn is when you're in post, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. And you're looking at
2: the edit and you're like, oh, why can't I go back and do this? And you, s- I so hope that I've learned from those things when I make my next film. But I bet you I'm just going to do the exact same thing and be sitting in the edit room and thinking, God, if I knew what I know now, backwards. But I guess that's sort of like, you know what I said about looking back on the last eight years and not regretting anything. It's sort of like, of course, there are things I'd change in the film, but that's filmmaking, right? Mm. It's just move through it, and it's that Peter Jackson quote: like it's just, a film's never finished; it's just abandoned. And I do mm. feel like you get to a place where that I'm, I'm so proud of that film, and it's the film I made at that point in my life. Yes. And of course, I change, but I will always look. You know in 30 years to come I'll look back and be like yeah that represents who I was then and that's that's cool yeah that is cool how
0: did you overcome a problem then on set when there was something went wrong or the light was totally because you know you shot a lot of this at night with very little light you know you're shooting bonfires. how how did you deal with when there was a problem when there was an issue well how did you get over it how did you make it work I think
2: you know, we, we do music videos, man. Like they are the, mm. w- the worst sometimes when you're like, <laughs> generally, so they, I think
0: they're the worst. <laughs> they're,
2: they're really, really hard, man. And yeah. you know, we, we've been doing so much stuff, um, you know, like, Actual problems on music videos where you're like, oh, this could be a real, real issue. So I think generally, I felt like my pulse was quite low throughout Kindling. Actually, on like in terms of like problems, it felt it felt well run. And you know, you guys have both seen the film. It's quite a contained film as well, mm. so we didn't hit too many problems. um But I think, like we said earlier, with the choices you make, I feel like I knew the film so well that even if we only had an hour to shoot something, we meant to have three. I felt quite confident to be like, okay, I think this scene belongs to this character. Let's just prioritize them. Um, And it was just that, it's just thinking on the spot, isn't it? Like, and and I look back on when I did the bigger budget stuff and it was exactly the same there. You know, you can plan everything so well, but sometimes things happen and you just Mm got to, make it up a bit as you go along haven't you
0: yeah talk about selling the film then afterwards now you've made it you've you've mentioned a bit about post and that we you know we could dive in for that forever but you always learn so much on the post and sound mix and score and everything you learn so much but let's talk about selling the film and getting it out there because yeah can't be films are involved and then you've, you're distributed by signature. So what was the process there? How did it happen? Because did, did anyone, was anyone on board before? Was Mark a big influence in that? Did Jamie, the producer, you know, start the ball rolling beforehand? Was Yvonne the agent it, it's involved? It's the process that no one tells you about. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah no, no one tells you about the process of selling and distributing a film. I think when you're making it, like, I, we finished this film a year, almost a year to the day before it actually came out in the uk so you know you're sitting on this egg that you're just waiting to hatch and
0: yeah and everyone keeps asking you as well sort of saying where when can we see it when can we see it?" like dude it's been a month <laughs> i'm literally recovering yeah, it's like, I'm, trying. I'm trying really hard <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: so uh carnaby were a part of the finance they their their right. sister company is haymarket so so they sort of came with that essentially because mm-hmm. we're you know it's a drama it's a it's a hard sell what happened is uh jamie the producer actually i can't really say who to but jamie made a sale to someone right and that making that initial sale encouraged signature to to board because they knew there was already like a sale that was ready to be made right um and so that that was really exciting because you know, i get it from Signature's perspective what how do they mitigate their risk mm-hmm. so essentially like to have that already knowing that something was present meant that they could come in to to distribute it and since then we've just done, we're just about to announce um a sale in the u.s we've almost got australia we've almost got scandinavia and hopefully i mean cans when we're recording this two weeks away so we're hopeful that we might make a few more sales but it's definitely been an experience realizing that you know it's very cast dependent out there it's very mm-hmm. genre dependent a mm-hmm. film and and just because you made a film doesn't mean someone will buy it and doesn't mean it will get out there yeah. you know i've chatted to filmmakers since making kindling who made a brilliant debut which went to good some good festivals and never got a release yeah. and it's it's almost unfathomable to think yeah. of that but um yeah so i think it makes you feel lucky for frankly anything you get to get your film out there yeah. in distribution you know it's, and it's a lot of rejection as well and i think it's it's almost rejection after you've made the film and after you've been rejected in making the film. So it's a, it's kind of a new, a new level of, um,
0: rejection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. rejection. It's a worse rejection because when you're sort of trying to make the films, it's just images in your head and you're just talking to people about the script and who you could be in it. When you're delivering the film, that's your pride and joy, your baby. And it hurts when people go, yeah, no, it's not for us. No, nah, no, it's not whatever. It's really actually harder. I think in some ways because you've now got a product and that someone's got to like it and watch it and then if it does get out there you've got to deal with the reviews
2: and will the public like it totally and and what's all driven me mad but again i'm trying to just like just respect that it's a business at the end of the day as well as a creative outlet you know getting emails being like we love this film the whole office were in tears sorry it's a hard sell you know, like learning that, learning that that, but also getting it mm. in. Like, well, frankly, they've actually just been respectful by setting their own boundaries and saying we don't believe we can actually do justice with that. And actually, and Signature have come on board and done absolutely brilliant with it. So I'm, so I'm really proud of where it's, you know, where it's ended up. And I don't know, you 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 realize that you have all these dreams for your film's release and actually just to get a release is something very, very special.
0: Totally agree. Yeah. Especially it's a big distributor, especially people pushing it for you. And again, on that as well, you know, no one's going to push as hard as you are, you know, and listen to know this as well as anyone out there is that as much as a big dispute could come on and they can go, yeah, we're going to do this with your film. They're never going to shout about it as much as you are. And that should be the case. You should always remember that you are the voice. You've made it. You're the one who needs to do your crowdsourcing, be on your socials, set up your film page, push it, push it, push it. Don't ever let anyone from the very beginning to the very end say they're going to do something for you and your film is no one will do as much as
2: you do. No. Yeah. And that, that is honestly the best advice to anyone, isn't it? It's like, and, then the, and that's why also you've got to make stuff that you can always stand by. You, mm-hmm. you know, like you got, cause you stand by that film through everything, through all the sort of trauma. Like you've got to stand next to it and be like, I'm proud of it. And, um, and, and you're right. And, and also, I guess in that the producer and the director are also the people that benefit the most, you know? So I also get it from that perspective as well. Like you, you've got to be the person that pushes it the hardest, but you're also the person that's name is first on the credits. And that's, and that, and that's great. So it's almost like yeah, you're pushing it harder and working harder than it, if a lot of people it feels like. But you're also the person that if it does do well, will see the rewards. So it's it's give a, you know give and take, I guess.
0: Yes, yeah. no, I totally hear that. Totally hear
2: that.
1: Yeah. So what's next, Connor?
2: I've just I've just finished writing another film, which which feels nice. which feels super amazing. You know, and it you know over the year of Kindling being distributed, it's allowed me definitely. It's like, you know, I didn't know if I had would have another idea after this. It's been, you know, eight years. So so to actually feel so proud of the next thing that I'm working on um, just feels really exciting. And yeah, just, you know, off the back of Kindling, got picked up by an agent, which is really cool. So they're helping me to set up some meetings. Right. And hopefully, you know, the next few, this sounds, I don't really care if it takes another 10 years, to be honest. I'm pretty happy to make just as long as i can make what i want to make and make it the way that i believe is the right way of making it it takes another eight ten years final i'll 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 do i'll do that again to be able to make a film the way we got to make kindling again um and i guess in the meantime just i also love like running low-key and helping other people tell their stories like we've got a slate of features and i think i want to be a filmmaker that yeah is a writer director but also there's so many stories that i don't believe i'm the right person to tell so, to also be able to help mm-hmm. other people make films is a really, really exciting venture too. Awesome. How beautiful.
0: That is awesome. Well done, Connor. That's
2: really cool and lovely to hear. And you guys are great, by the way. I really enjoyed chatting I with am. you
1: both.
2: Yeah, that's right. You're <laughs> great, by the way. Humble <laughs> as Sorry, well. No. Con-
1: Very humble. <laughs> yeah, Connor, we, we do appreciate you saying that. But um, sometimes, <laughs> you know, we do joke around and we try and keep it relaxed um, and and make our guests feel comfortable. So I'm pleased that you've had a good time. Um, so thank you for saying that.
2: Oh, it, it goes back to that thing. We're all just kids that have grown up to be lucky enough, enough to make films, doesn't it? So we can't like joke yeah. around about it. It's all four, you know.
1: And we love it.
2: Yeah, we do.
0: Even through the really tough times. Yeah. We remember those yeah. amazing times when we go, I want to be back doing it. I hope, that, I hope that's, that's come cool. across I said. I, I genuinely like, I wouldn't, the, I wouldn't change it for the bad times for the world.
2: Do you know what I mean? You just, you just ride it out
0: and you learn from it that's the point of it you learn from it and like say what you mentioned earlier about your you know you think if you might make those mistakes again you might but you'll make them differently you know you'll make them in a different way because you remembered what happened ah okay I needed to get that shot Oh, I must have do you know what I lingered too I just did too many wides I don't know whatever it is it's like okay I remember the edit (laughs) let me think about the edit you know or whatever it is
2: you know like those master filmmakers like Chloe Zhao Steven Spielberg Mm. sitting in the Edit suite resenting themselves for the mistakes yes. they made on yeah. them.
0: Hating we all, China.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. Like it's not like you yeah, it's gonna yeah. stop, No, but yeah, I no. watch the
1: Hollywood round table a lot. And love. the conversation, oh, no, I love it. Conversations they have around that table are exactly the same conversations that we have at this level. Mm-hmm. They've just got yeah, more yeah. money. Yeah. It's hard it's exactly work. The same it, problems. And yes. you know bigger budgets bigger
0: problems sometimes mm, we have more people breathing breathing down your neck yeah. over your shoulder yeah. tell it, you know it's someone's money at the end of the day if it's a big studio they know how to manage or they think they know how to manage filmmakers so they come in with their big ideas Where if it's a private equity investor they're not going to be over your shoulder necessarily it's it's a different way so yeah it's it's an amazing achievement anyway to make a film you've done incredibly well for a debut movie kindling is outstanding wow. um the cast are all superb mm. jamie the producer has done an amazing job uh, jamie, <laughs> yeah.
2: if on the agent did really i well want to meet hurt. this jamie
1: the producer <laughs> in can
0: yeah me too even yeah are hey, you going to you'll be in can when you can't oh,
2: we'll get a drink out there for 100 then yeah, yeah i'm, I'm out let's do,
0: let's, let's do it let's do it we'll see jamie there as well listen kindling is out now go watch it Actually, is it on Sky now? Or is it
2: still on? Connor, right,
1: tell Apple. us where it's out.
0: Yeah, Connor, <laughs> tell us where people can watch it. It's easier than me blagging it.
2: Kindling <laughs> is out now in selective cinemas, but probably by the time this podcast comes out, it's on Amazon, Apple, Sky, Microsoft Store. Anywhere you can buy a movie, you can buy Kindling in the UK and Ireland.
0: Amazing. That's what Signature do so well. They get it out to those people so congratulations go watch this film go support indie films this is how to do it and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to
1: send the elevator back down
0: we will see you next tuesday as always when we have another amazing guest i imagine talking about how they got their films made as well we have a whole back catalogue of podcasts of how you can make your films over 330 of them so go go search them find the ones you want producers directors or writers they're all in their crew members and learn as much as i have from listening to these amazing people Uh, so for now listen to rose tucker thank you for joining me as fellow host
1: Thank you for having me, Giles Alderson.
0: Absolute pleasure. Uh, And and Connor O'Hara, you've been brilliant. What a great guest. Congratulations
2: on your film and thank you again. Oh, you legends. Thank you so much for having me, honestly. It
1: was great fun,
0: Connor. Cheers, guys. Right, see you all next Tuesday. Take care, everyone. Go out there, make your films. Make it happen. Believe in yourself and then come tell us about it on the podcast. Till next time. Bye-bye. love
2: how you end... Thanks. See you next Tuesday.
0: Right. (laughs) Only a few people pick up on it. I love it. That's excellent.